Hi, and thanks for downloading this episode of Queer I Am, the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. This podcast started as a small idea and has turned into a real passion project for me and is something that I wish to continue to make way into the future, but I need your help in doing so. So there is a cost in making Queer I Am, the podcast, and it's something that I funded and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. But if you'd like to get involved and support the podcast by subscribing to Acast Plus, that would be incredible. And if this is something you can't do, no worries at all. I really hope you keep enjoying the episodes and I intend to keep making them for as long as possible. Season three is coming up and you are in for an absolute treat. I am so, so excited. If you'd like to support the podcast, details of how you can do this are in the blurb of the episode you were listening to. And what this also means is you get to listen to all of the episodes of Queer I Am The Podcast, past and future, completely ad-free. So no interruptions whatsoever. What could be better? Anyway, enough of the serious blurb. Let's crack on with the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Queer I Am The Podcast Season 2. I'm talking today to a PR superwoman turned published author. Their recent novel tells the story of a new Brighton and will have you on the edge of your seat. As well as being fab at what they do, they're also a partner, a mother, and a super lovely person. Get ready for another fantastic conversation. I'm talking with the incredible Helen Trevorrow. So whatever you're up to, this is your time to settle down, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Queer I Am. So Helen, thank you so much for coming on Queer Eye on the podcast season two. It's a real pleasure to have you here. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling wonderful. So thank you so much for having me on. It's an absolute privilege to be here. So thank you very much. It's beautiful. And it's a lovely hot day today. It's boiling, isn't it? And this is the first podcast we've had with beers, I have to say. <laughs> so cheers. cheers. <laughs> we should definitely do cheers. That <laughs> often happens uh, with me. I have that effect on people. Cheers. I don't know why. No offence, but I was a bit like, I think Helen will appreciate a beer today. Let's have a beer. Let's do, let's yeah. do this. Yeah. Absolutely. Why not? So... Um, so obviously you're feeling good which is great and the heat is very nice and you know i think this morning was a bit like random because i was like it felt like an autumn day and then i was like no it's boiling i need to go and put my shorts on this is ridiculous um but if you had a song to describe your mood today what would your song be 
Oh, my God, I should have been more prepared for this. No, but, no. Well, I'll just say, because um, I was dancing with my daughter in the conservatory and we were singing, um, it's getting hot in here, oh, so nice. take off all your clothes. Bit of Nelly. Yeah, so I think that would be my uh, choice of song for my current mood. And for the heat. But in a good, in a, in a sort of quite, in an innocent way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no, completely. No, no, it's the heat. No, it's absolutely. The heat. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yes, no. I um, I don't know what mine would be today. Actually, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Sugar Babes today mm. because I'm looking forward to their concert in a few months. And what's your favourite? Oh, I like all of them really, but um, I do like a ballad. I'm I'm a big ballad fan. I have to say. So I played Urel, my friend, um, stronger today. Oh, you know I'm all alone, finally, and getting stronger. Oh one. yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Sorry about that, Julian, our engineer. He doesn't like my singing, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why either, though. Um, but no, that was definitely my uh, my song for today. I kind of have these moments where I. I get a song in my head and then I think, oh, I've got to like research the person's back catalogue and kind of listen to everything. And that's kind of what I've been doing, really. So um, Sugar Babes was definitely my start to the day. Oh, fantastic. Today. Yeah, absolutely. So where did you grow up and where do you call home now? So my home now is, is Hove, actually. Mm-hmm. Hove, actually. Nice. But if I leave Hove, I say Brighton. And then I do find myself saying Hove, actually. Uh-huh. when they, Oh, you're where in Brighton do you live? Yeah. You know, so I do all of that. And I love it here and I've lived here for six years. Okay. And then before that, I lived 20 years in London, in okay. Kensal Rise, okay. um, northwest London. Mm-hmm. And then I'm from Slough. Wow, okay. So, yeah, I'm from a place called Langley in Slough. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of people lie about that and say they're from <laughs> Windsor. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so true. <laughs> yes, I've heard that before. That's really funny. Yeah, they really do. And, uh, I met, you know, I've met people before and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm from Windsor. I'm from Windsor. And then they, and I said, oh, what road are you from? Because I know Windsor really well. Yeah. What road? Oh, that's in Slough, isn't it? That's in Slough. And they, yeah, totally. Yeah. And so many people I know have moved from London to Brighton. And I think that obviously the pandemic over the last couple of years, I think people have changed lifestyles dramatically because of working from home and all that kind of stuff. But Obviously, you did that before the pandemic. So what made you move to Brighton? So or Hove, actually, rather. To Hove, actually. Yeah, the kind of, I suppose, what happened to a lot of people in COVID is that they had that, I mean, it was really scary, wasn't it, when we were all locked down that first time and they closed the schools and mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. this is like a film. It's awful. What's happening? Yeah. So um, in advance of that, I'd kind of had like a moment like that in my life mm-hmm. before that. Mm-hmm. And I'd sort of had my own real moment of that when I was so I basically I lived in uh, London. I had a PR agency in Notting Hill. Everything was going really well. Mm-hmm. We always wanted to move to Brighton. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like our spiritual home, and so we um, we were looking at doing that, etc. And then we had Ruby, and um, when Ruby was six months old, I got really ill and had a um, basically a really rare condition called Maritzi syndrome. Okay. And, uh, you know, if I Google it now, it's like a third of people just die. Wow. And uh, it's pretty serious. So I nearly died. I was really, really sick. It was like a really medieval kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, vomiting, fevers, hallucinations, like it was just really bad. So that went on for about four months. And then uh, just prior to that, when I was pre- pregnant, my mum died mm-hmm. and she'd had Alzheimer's for a long time. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's gone all... Therapy, it's fine. Let's go really no, deep. No, really, it's fine. You know, it's and fine. Let's depress this is what it's here for. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my mum had had Alzheimer's for mm-hmm. nine years. Okay. 
and then died when I was pregnant. So literally, it was the day of the three-month scan. You go for, when you have a baby, you have like a 12-week scan. Yeah, yeah. Is everything okay? The heart, the blah, blah, blah. We had that. It was amazing. Went to see my mum in another hospital, and she died that night. Oh, my goodness. So, um, so after... <laughs> After that, having a baby and nearly dying, I was like, oh, fuck this, we're going to Brighton. Yeah, you know, it's going to do it. Yeah, just going to do it. Yeah, my goodness. Yeah. And so, how that time, I mean, obviously, because we'll, we've talked before and I know around your writing career, which we'll get onto, and I know the drivers around that, but that must have been a really scary time for you. And obviously, then to lose your mum at that time and to have so much kind of chaos in your life. Was Brighton or the move something that kind of gave you focus and like, okay, this is what we now have to do. This is going to get me through. Or was it just actually survival mode, deal with everything and kind of do what you need to do kind of thing? Yeah, because you go into survival mode and when something like, you know, or you've got mm. serious illness or your your close family has serious. So you, go, you just go through and you manage that. And then yeah. I think um, it became like a goal, like, right, well, we'll get over this bit and then we'll go to mm -hmm. Brighton. And mm -hmm. it became like a goal, right? It was something really hopeful to yeah, look forward to. Absolutely. And so when I started to get better, when I sort of got the all clear and it was like, yeah, you seem fine. Okay, we don't really know because we're not sure about, you know, the act, but you, you seem fine. We were just like, right, well, let's do this then. Mm. House on the market. Mm -hmm. We waited. We looked at the market. My partner's really good at sort of these mm -hmm. things and was like, no, we just wait for six months, blah, 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 <laughs> and la, la, la. That's going to be the best time. I'll dress the house and all of this. <laughs> so she was on that. Okay. And then, yeah, and in the moment, I mean, when I got, um, you know, when I went into hospital at first, I had this, you know, terrible pain and I was really, really ill. I lost a lot of weight. I was yellow. My eyeballs were yellow. And, um, you know, I was lying on this like, well, I went to hospital to St. Mary's in Paddington mm -hmm. and I I sat there and, um, you know, I sat there for about six hours waiting and they thought I was fine. And then mm -hmm. suddenly they were like, are you Helen Trevorrow? And then they were like, quick, get you on a bed. Mm -hmm. and, and, and suddenly I was surrounded by like nine doctors and they were like, wow. we're going to give you a liver biopsy. And Vicky had Ruby like that. I mean, I was completely breastfeeding. She hadn't ever had a bottle. Wow. She hadn't been away from me, you know, for more than sort of three or four hours for mm -hmm. that whole time, hadn't left her. So it was, I mean, like horrific. It was yeah. awful. And um, <clears throat> when I was lying on that sort of gurney bed thing, I was thinking, God, I might die here. It's This is really serious and I'm not going to see my child grow up. And then the next thing I thought is if I die, I've really fucking wasted my life working in sort of marketing and PR in a commercial. And I, I never really wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be a writer. And I just thought if I survive this, which I will, I'm going to, mm. I will, I'm going to write books. Amazing. And that's it. And here we are yeah. talking about two yeah. amazing books, which I've absolutely adored. Thank and you. My goodness. But what a story, though. That's... Uh, I mean, it takes things in life sometimes, doesn't it, to make you kind of wake up and go, okay, this is what I need to do. Yeah. Um, but my goodness, that's quite a lot to deal with in such a short, <laughs> having, you know, getting pregnant, losing your mum, having a baby six months later, being like severely ill. That's a lot to go through. Um, wow. So Brighton, obviously that happened. You moved here. Yeah. What is it about Brighton that kind of really gets under your skin? What makes you feel good about being here? So I've been coming here all my I've been coming here all my life and I can remember coming here sort of aged 18 on a jolly with my mm -hmm. cousin Kelly who's mm -hmm. called Kwali Kundalini now <laughs> uh formerly known as Kelly and um, <laughs> 
we uh, and, and Maria O'Mara, my another friend, and we drove down in a mini, and we went and we stayed in a B and B in uh-huh. Kemp Town, and we just like partied basically. Yeah. And it's just got that like freedom. When I did it that you know that time, mm-hmm. we were sort of like they weren't gay actually, the two of them. Although my cousin is a bit you know ambiguous in okay. that way. Um, <laughs> we all are. We all are. Yeah, yeah. So. They, but they were like up for going to gay bars and mm. stuff like this. And it was really like, oh my God, this like, yeah. no one knows us here. No one knows, you know, we can do whatever we like. Uh-huh. And it was brilliant. And it was just, and that's what I feel like all the time mm-hmm. in Brighton. Mm-hmm. I agree. Just like that whole thing, like I'm fucking free. I'm like, it's yeah. like I'm on holiday. I can yeah. do whatever I like. No one judges me. Uh-huh. It's so busy. There's always something going on. Whatever you're into, there's like a club or a group. You just find it on the internet. Mm-hmm. Go and do that. People talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just got that buzz mm-hmm. about it that I yeah. think even if you're, even if you're in your eighties, nineties, you can still feel that kind of. As long as you want to do it, you've still got that kind of like sparky catalyst kind of vibe. There's going an energy on. here, isn't there? There's yeah, so, yeah. And I completely agree. You walk through the city, and it's just there. Just feels this energy and this kind of like, oh my god, this is an amazing place. So obviously, you grew up in um, in Slough. Yes, you can what, say Slough. Slough. I can say Slough. It's not a bad word. It's not a dirty <laughs> word. <laughs> what age were you when you when you came out? Well, I was thinking about this today. So, so I basically, I knew I was gay from mm-hmm. about 12, I think. Okay. 12 or 13. Yeah. And then um, I, um, you you know, as you know, you don't just come out one day. You're constantly coming out, aren't you, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was that um, <clears throat> I, um, there's obviously a story. And um, yeah, so I basically, I thought I might be gay. I've got two older brothers, Irish Catholic family. My mum is like a religious maniac. Mm -hmm. So it is a bit like oranges are not the only fruit. You know, we're like, we're praying, going to church all the time. Okay. So around that age, I used to like bless myself and look in the mirror and I'd be like, please, God, dear God, dear Jesus, please don't let me be a nun and please don't let me be a lesbian. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know. Okay. I've just got a reference in the book. Yeah. 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 That does make it into one Mm -hmm, of the books. mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. So I, um, yeah. So I mean, obviously I knew, otherwise I wouldn't be praying like not Mm -hmm. to be. So I was like, shit. And I was, because I had two older brothers, I played football, I had Mm -hmm. short hair, I looked like a boy. Um, You know, people, yeah, people used to mistake me for being, oh, what a lovely lad you are there, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so by the time I got to 12 or 13, I was like, oh my God, I'm so fucked. I need to like, I need to cover this up or get mm-hmm. a boyfriend or, mm-hmm. you know, do something mm-hmm. about it. So this kind of carried on. But, um, you know, I was at an all-girls convent by that time. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, St. Bernard's Convent in Slough. Mm-hmm. And and actually, it was brilliant. And it off- afforded me all sorts of uh, possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> but 12 is quite... I mean, if I look back now, I think about you know, understanding who I was, I definitely think I had an inclination at a young age, definitely. But I don't, I don't remember ever thinking I'm gay or, or shit, this is what who I am. I just remember kind of thinking, well, I don't know what I thought really. I just, I just kind of ignored it and kind of just carried on and carried on. And then until one day I thought, okay, actually now this is, this is something else. But I think, I don't know. I, I guess I always had in the background, could I be this person? Could, you know, I always felt different, but I wasn't sure what different was. So to have that realization at 12 is, 
it's quite amazing, really, isn't it? That yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are other people that have the same realization at that age as well. Um, but yeah, that that feels really quite young. So yeah, I I mean, I just I don't know. I just knew, and yeah. um, I can remember like a TV program where there must have been lesbians in it, and. Mm-hmm. And I and my 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 brother went. Oh, look at these two! And my mum was like, "Oh, oh lezzy bees or something." Mm. And I was like, "What's a lezzy bee?" And my brother was like, "Oh, never you mind what a lezzy bee was." And I can really remember yeah, yeah, yeah. that as well. I don't know. So definitely by sort of twelve. But my parent my parents were older. My brothers were yeah. twelve and you know fourteen years older than me. Uh-huh. They used to look after me a lot okay. when I was five. All my best mates were like sixteen-year-old okay. boys. Okay, so you always uh, had adult company. Always had adult company, yeah. and then from the age of twelve, I was like booking the holidays for me and my mum and dad, and they just like they looked. So I was always quite grown up. Uh-huh. So I think it was like I wasn't going to put my head in the sand. Mm. I was like shit, this is a problem. This is who I am and actually you faced yeah, it. Yeah, I've got but, to face it. I've got to deal with this. So, yeah. When It's really interesting actually what you said about your mum making that comment and actually your brother saying, never you mind. Did you feel different when, or did you feel a sense of something when that was being talked about? Because I remember, I remember being at my nan's house when I was probably about, I don't know, 10 or 11. And I remember my aunt, um, I think I think like um, the lottery is on or something, and Dale Winton was presenting it. And I remember, God rest it. I got RIP Dale. Dale. I know, um, but I remember my aunt saying, "Oh, he's 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 queer, isn't he?" Kind of thing. And I remember feeling this real kind of like, "Ooh," like there was something. And I was probably about ten or eleven, and I just remember feeling like this kind of shame or this they know but yeah. i didn't know what they knew yeah. so did you feel that kind of thing as well when you oh had that God. conversation yeah, yeah the whole time and then you know on, at wimbledon it was martina navratilova playing and there were like just so many homophobic comments about yeah. her and she was she's she was fucking amazing and she still is yeah yeah but it was all that you know homophobic shit about her mm. and i was just like oh god yeah, yeah. you what know is gonna be like? what is this going to be mm. like what is my life going to be like mm-hmm. um you know so, yeah, I mean, if I had been straight, I think I would have done more creative stuff early on. I was really mm-hmm. good at drama and mm-hmm. all of that. But I honestly, I was just like, that's an unreliable income source. You know, yeah. I'm from a working class family in Slough. I need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. And I need to make some money so I can support myself because I ain't never marrying a man. Yeah. And no, I've got to stand on my own two feet. Yeah. You had that so, sense of independence from Oh, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. really good um, that's driving force. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So I guess being somewhere like Brighton, now having this freedom, when you've been kind of in that state of repression, or, or although you're accepting of who you were, I guess you were always kind of on, you know, looking out. This must be, be even now, must be amazing. I mean, you've been with Vicky for, for years, but... Yeah, but 23 be, years. But to be in, in the city, it must still feel like... It's amazing. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, because we're still, you know, and so when we started going out with each other in 1998. So, I mean, that's even like the last century, isn't it? Yeah. That, um, you know, yeah, I mean, stuff like... We can't get out of the habit of like not holding hands when we're out mm-hmm. because we would never have done that in the past. Absolutely. But we can do that here. Yeah. So, you know, we tend to like go arm in arm. So you could just be two ladies, can you, walking down <laughs> yeah. the street? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so you can't, but you can't get out of that when you're guarded, when you're like coming from a position yeah. of, I want to like protect myself mm-hmm. and just get on with my life. Mm-hmm. 
you still are, but it's just, it's brilliant. I love it. I love it when we move to Hove and you yeah. like see two like 70 year old women holding hands, going to the shops. You're like, fucking yes. yes yeah. This is our, you know, this is our holy land. This yeah. is it. We've returned. You yeah, know, absolutely. it's brilliant. Yeah. It's just full of like rainbows and pebbles and the sea and yeah. just, it's just beautiful. No, I completely agree. I just, yeah, this place for me, it just isn't getting old. Yeah. I just, we love it. No, and it's all over the place and, you know, it's all, it's all over the place. Um, <laughs> gays everywhere. But the, <laughs> even up in Hove Park where we are, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a sort of gay triangle within, you know, there's like five gay households around. That's amazing. Within, t- you know, touching distance. So it's yeah. just like, oh, God, right. Oh, there go. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. And if you felt like there's been, like you've made a real sense of community here as well with friends and you've made people maybe that you wouldn't have met before because you are you're here obviously yeah and lots of younger friends as well oh, nice. but that's quite strategic too to make younger friends so that you know you feel a bit younger <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm pointing at my friend on the left here he's 22 <laughs> i'm totally 21 again yeah yeah honestly. me too i'm drinking that like i'm 21 yeah it's terrible no i've met loads of people loads of people and my mm. wife has met her own set of friends as well nice. and We've now we've now been here long enough that we're really kind of like well established. So yeah, yeah brilliant, it's amazing, so nice. And you have a really successful PR company, Green Row PR. Yeah. Um, and and obviously you have followed your dream of being an author, as we talked about. And I think that you know you've already mentioned you became very ill, and you this was your kind of I must do this, I must write. Um, was it something you always wanted to do since you were very small? Did you always think I want to write or I have something to say or what? What was your drive for being a writer initially? So, I, yeah, I always wanted to write and I've always told stories and I look back and I've got loads of stuff that I produced when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, being gay and not, you know, my mother knew that I was gay, but I didn't want to rub her face in it or be. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really. And I did write a couple of novels mm-hmm. in my 20s, mm-hmm. but they were they were lacking in some way because they weren't really authentic I was writing what I thought was acceptable. Yeah. Or, yeah. And it wasn't what I wanted to say and it mm-hmm. had nothing to do with my mm-hmm. I'm not I can't write about someone's husband. I really No. I couldn't give a shit. Um <laughs> You know, I have no experience. I have no experience of that. And it's going to be more authentic if it's coming from your own personal experiences, exactly, isn't it? And yeah. that's important, yeah. I think. Yeah. So so I didn't and you know, I basically I um what happened was this girl at school dumped me. She was in the year above me. Okay. I won't say her name now because I think she's probably straight <laughs> and time. a lawyer or something like that. She is. Yeah, yeah. I think. I don't know. But I only went out with her because I liked her friend. And okay. Her friend wasn't interested. So okay. Rebound. 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 Yeah. So anyway, um, she, I wrote her a letter in my own hand. And at that point, I was in a band with four boys. Okay. And they were coming to collect me to go to do a gig at some pub in Maidenhead. Okay. And um, they arrived and I was like, oh, and what shall I wear tonight? And, you know, and I used to like, I used to dress up as a nun sometimes or, you know, had all these different outfits. Yeah. You know, we were like an indie Amazing. rock band. Yeah. And she, my mum went, what's Ross wearing? A dress? And I was like, oh, God, she knows. She knows everything. <laughs> and... um. I and in like a almost like a detective, I was like, she knows everything. Yeah. I went to my room to see the letter that I was going to give this, to this girl. Yeah. And it was gone, and Ooh. I was like, oh my god! Like my life flashed before my eyes. I was like, fuck! I'm dead. This is yeah, it. I'm yeah, finished. Yeah. And I just thought, 
I only looked one place. I thought, where would she, where would my mother, an Irish Catholic of that generation, where would she hide a Lesbo letter? Where would she put it? Mm. And I went to the side of her bed into the Bible that was there. It was there. And it was in there. <laughs> I was like, fuck, get that out. <laughs> Ripped it up. So um, I told my friend Sarah O'Connor, who's still uh, yeah. my pal now, and she was like, get everything, Helen. Get everything. I've got matches. We're going to have a fire. You can't. So burn everything, basically. Wow. So we took any notes, love letters, whatever, and we burnt them at right. the back of these garages in Langley and Slough. Wow. And she was like, you've just got to be careful, you know, do what you like, mm-hmm. but um, maybe don't write anything down that your mum can find. Okay. Which is so bad. And that's why I never wrote. Not because she said that to me, but I knew that as well. So it was like... But it is that kind of guarding, isn't it? And we've we've all had that in different ways, whether it's writing or just how you act or how you are in certain situations. I think it's a filter. I think we've talked about this before in other episodes. I think we all learn a filter. I actually put something on Instagram this week, and I I don't have the quote here, but it's um I'm reading a book at the moment by an author called Henry Fry, mm-hmm. um, and it was a quote in there about how as queer people we all learn to filter ourselves because actually we learn that actually we're just not acceptable and we're not who we should be and yeah. we try and be the ideals and that's 100%. exactly what you're talking about and I think 100%. there's so many people that would probably relate to that as yeah. well yeah 100% hmm. so that, so then I didn't so then I didn't write as a result I was like I'll just keep back and I started to write things I wrote quite a lot of a novel you know with a straight main character yeah. and then got rid of that and then I wrote well how can I write without really talking about being gay mm-hmm. so I couldn't really I couldn't mm-hmm. really write until I was just truly able to yeah. be like oh this is who I am and was so, it liberating for you as well yeah to, to, I mean I've you know we'll talk about the two books I mean uh, you know I absolutely loved both of them um thank you New Brighton was just so good so many twists and turns and at the beginning I wasn't kind of catching on to what happened and then obviously I understood more about the colony and everything that was going on and obviously we won't give too much away because we want people to buy the book it's and, and read it. It's very hard not to give to talk about it without giving anything away isn't yeah. it? But the, there was just so many parts of it and like the end there was just this real build up and I was like okay this shit's going down this is going to be really good and, and it was and then in the last week I literally have just whizzed through in the wake which I yeah I just that book needs to be a film quite frankly it good. was it was just incredible it Amazing. was so so good and um I loved every part of it I loved the characters I loved the raunchiness in there I mean we've laughed about this already saying yeah. about um how I wish I was a lesbian at one point because it sounded very exciting <laughs> but it was, but it was it was just you know there was these moments where it was just it was really just kind of just really raw and I think as a writer, what you've just described, you know, to not be able to do that would be, is to sacrifice your art. You know, for you to not be authentic is to not be able to then do that. And I think that'd be such a shame that people wouldn't have been able to write that, or read that, sorry. So um, I think it was incredible. Um, Thank I, you. I just loved it so much. And um, she was so naughty, that PR lady. Kate like, Christie, she's goodness. so naughty, isn't so she? So naughty. But I did feel really <laughs> sorry for her as well, though. Yeah. Because I think she had a lot of demons and things she hadn't really addressed um, and I don't know, I just, and then Julia, I did love Julia and I thought Julia was really sweet at the end and there was just so many just different twists and turns, but you just couldn't help but just really fall in love with the characters. I just thought it was stunning. Yeah. People do email me about the relationship with her and the policewoman. Okay. And they're like, can you just tell me what happened? You know, did they, you know, did they get back together? I, you know, that's all I want to know, um, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know, 
I don't know. I mean... Could there be book two? Because there is a lot of unfinished business at the end of that book. I did start within the way, Kay Christie, because she was such a like... And I find myself, whenever I'm writing characters, because she's such a sort of, you know, she's very... She go. She's kind of. She skirts this line of what's ethical or not yeah. ethical. She has loads of demons. Uh-huh. She's, you know, she's very good at what she does, but mm. she's really, really flawed. Um, there's loads to, you know, there's a lot to say about like that's purposeful, and there's a lot about women in books who have to be likable yes. and, um, and worthy. There's two sort of, you know, they have to be likable and they have to treat people well, mm-hmm. and that's just a reflection of how women need to be seen in society. Absolutely, yeah. So women in books don't have to be nice no. and they don't have to be ethical. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so my characters in my books always skirt that line of uh-huh. what they should be doing or yeah. not doing. Yeah, um, Oh, God, I was going to say something else. I was going to no, say... No, but I think, like, book two, I think there, yeah. was, there was so many... So at the end of that book, obviously, we know what happens and, oh, God, I was, I was really pleased that someone got it. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, girl power. But it was like, I don't know, like there is unfinished business there. It all kind of wrapped up quite nicely and a bit too yeah. easy. And I was a bit like, hmm, this could be. Let's see, and yeah. I, yeah. Let's see what so happens. I, I think there could be another yeah, one. So on Kay Christie, because I love that character, I did um, I did start um, a book. You're just playing around and sometimes mm-hmm. writers do that. You might write a lot of, just about... You know, you, you if you write a book, that one's quite short. That's like 70,000 words in the wake. And mm-hmm. then New Brighton's about uh, nearly 100,000. You might write 150,000 or you mm-hmm. might do different. You discard a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I did is I played around with a like a Kay Christie Junior, you know, club, basically a few years before. Mm-hmm. And it's when she meets um, Julia for the first time. Okay. And she also gets embroiled in another okay. work thing right. where she's where she's very junior okay, and she is asked to cover something up basically okay. and, and, and lie under okay. oath okay. for the benefit of her career. Mm-hmm. So, and this is the great thing about books is that time is not linear. You can go back and you can go forth, Absolutely. forward, sorry. And um, yeah, there are, um, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a book, the Heart's Invisible Furies. Yes. Did you read that yet? No. No. Was it on your list? Though, it's on my list. Said? It's on my list. Yeah. And John Boyne does that really, really beautifully where he takes one narrative. So it's just going along like this. And in that, he just goes back. So he's there. It's just beautiful. I don't know what you would. It's like being in an orchestra when you just move back in time. Yeah. And the reader goes back in time. There's no ka-chunk, ka-chunk, a date or just lovely back and forth uh-huh. flow. And you get all of that. And that, yeah. I mean, that's brilliant as well about yeah writing that you're not you know you're not confined in any way no well i think it's yeah it's down to it's your art isn't it so you can do what you want with it i mean what i loved about new brighton as well is that i think it touched on some really difficult topics indirectly so obviously we it talks about this this lady that kind of you know she thinks she's somewhere else she thinks the world is as she knows it and actually her world completely turns up upside down i'm trying to not give too much away here um because of actually the lies that have been told and actually where she's actually living you know something when we say new brighton because when people read it they'll understand why but i think there was a real sub difficult subject matter in that around like coercive behavior and you know kind of mental abuse and stuff and was that quite a challenge to write or was it something that actually you know, you set out to do or that actually just became part of the story as you went on? Because I guess the whole thing was 
a very unique story in itself. So maybe yeah. it kind of fitted quite quite well, really. Yeah. So that that sort of that that kind of setup. Yeah. So that device in literature, like you might see that in the in the Matrix, say for uh-huh. instance. And then there's another Shalaman film called The Village, where mm-hmm. you know. People think they're somewhere, but they're actually somewhere else entirely. Mm-hmm. And it can be smoke and mirrors or whatever, but they're basically, they're being controlled in some way. Yeah. So there is that setup. And when I when I was writing her, it was really difficult. And I went back and I rewrote her again and gave her more to, because she had a problem with her memory, which meant mm-hmm. she couldn't really. So at the start, you know, I needed people to really basically love her, get into bed, whether they whether she was nice or naughty, whatever. They just needed to get her and be yeah, with her. Be liked, yeah. Yeah. And um well not be liked, yes, but be like you're you're with them. So say like Donald Trump, mm-hmm. we hate Donald Trump, <laughs> but we get him. Yes. We're with him in that way. Not we not with him or for his values. No. But we can follow that journey because he's interesting enough to keep our attention. Yes. So this is this is what I had to do. But what do you do with someone whose memory's gone? Uh-huh. And I, you know, my mum lost her memory because she had Alzheimer's. Okay. So there are there are things that they do, and it's not the things that we think. You know, when you know someone with Alzheimer's or someone that's been very close to mm. you, the mm. things because people say, um, "Oh, I, I lost, I've lost my keys. I've left my keys somewhere. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I must be getting Alzheimer's." Mm-hmm. So it's not that. It's like when you've got a key in your hand and you're like, what is this? Yeah, yeah, What yeah. is it for? Yeah, what does it do? Yeah. It's a bit of metal. Yeah. What is it for? Mm. Well, it's a key, you know, but you've lost mm-hmm. some things, just, you know, some things uh, not firing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's calcified in your brain. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was a bit about memory, but I needed to, yeah, it's, it's kind of, and with, with this because my books are thrillers, and mm-hmm. I really liked it that you said raw before, because mm. quite a few people call them raw and spiky. Mm-hmm. So they're alternative thrillers. I'm writing my third one at the moment, and they will always be gay characters, mm-hmm. queer characters. Um, you know, one of my big characters in New Brighton is Gloria. She's a trans woman because Love I wanted Gloria. to write. I, everyone loves Gloria. Gloria's She's amazing. a favourite character. Mm. I wanted to write a really positive uh, trans character. Yeah, that was it. Mm-hmm. So, so she's in there, and um, you know that th- that's my books will always be that. But they are in structure, they're thrillers, so there needs to be set up, there needs to be pace, and you need to flick through and get mm-hmm. a little bit of a, <gasps> yeah, um, you know, yeah. moment. Yeah, absolutely. And sorry, no, it's no. also really nice to write. Um, like there's a bit of torture scene in New Brighton. I really enjoyed, like the action and stuff. I really enjoy writing that because as a woman as well, you're sort of. You can do sport and you can be yeah. like that. But if you're a bit if you're a bit mouthy or, you know, you're a sort of, oh, she's a bitch or a ball breaker or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. really nice to just let go and like fully torture someone in a book. Well, what I thought about her as well is that she she kind of reclaimed her power. So yeah. she'd always been seen as very weak and she'd been made to feel weak and that, you know, um, you know, oh she's you know, they they kind of pulled the wool over her eyes and she was poorly and she'd you know but then in that moment, even though nothing happened, it was almost a bit like I can be fucking strong if you, if I need to be. And actually, it was a whole reclaiming and she was pregnant. It was about her and her baby. And I don't know, there was this real energy of, yes, this is now my time kind of thing. So I I loved that. And it was a, it was really kind of, um, I don't know, a bit Doctor Who at one point as well. It was a bit mm-hmm. like when they're in the kind of, um, you know, they're in the, not space station, what is it they were in? Well, it's the, the, pavilion, the pavilion, but it's the sort of like the hate, the council quarters, the HQ. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, you know, breaking down the doors and they're doing all the thing and they're and, and it's and like you know the nurse gets like 
clonked over the head and like, it just it was all just very kind of like I don't know it was just very exciting I was like yeah. oh my god this is really really yeah. good I really enjoyed writing no, those congratulations bits. I thought they were both Thank incredible you. books and I'm really interested about you know I mean we've talked about this you know I'm kind of thinking of, of doing some writing and yeah. stuff as well what gets you going in terms of or how do you start the process because I guess it's quite daunting for anyone that wants to you know people have aspirations to be an author um, but sometimes it's almost like it's such a hill to climb so what is your kind of starting position and how do you personally work to to write your books? Yeah, so <clears throat> I um, every, everyone's different. Every writer's different or has mm-hmm. a different way of doing it. Some people write full time. I obviously work as well of and course. I'm a mum. So my t- I'm really, really time mm-hmm. poor. Mm-hmm. So when I come to write, I never have any problem writing because I'm like, I'm desperate. I'm I absolutely to desperate mm-hmm. to get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so my process is I will have a, and people are different. Some people churn out a book a year, you know, Mm -hmm. thrillers that are Mm -hmm. really good, Mm -hmm. but I'm not like that. Take a bit longer, like to think it through. And I, I like to put a lot of what I think are layers or hidden little tricks and things in there. And some people will, if some, someone understands like one or two of them, it's great. If not, they're there just for me. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I, I work like that. So I have uh, an idea. So now I have, I'm writing another book mm-hmm. and I have um, a master document and I have a plan, a full plan of 42 chapters Okay. that are going into it. So yeah. I've mapped it all out. Okay. And in that plan, I have the main story mm-hmm. and i have all the different plot points which are like the instigating mm-hmm. incident like where it all you know you have a setup and then it all just goes yeah and that's quite close to the beginning <clears throat> a halfway point and then additionally with the main characters um try and keep main characters try and keep it as small as possible okay and you can have a sort of ensemble cast mm-hmm. out the back or whatever but try to keep it like just a really simple the key people simple number mm-hmm. And I will have, they will have their own arcs, like what happened to them. Even if they're not the main character, they'll have a rounded, you know, all the way, you know, they're outside as they do something and make, so they will have the whole thing themselves. So I plan that all out and Mm. then I start to write. So you can't say, I'll show you my new, a bit of my new, you can't say what it's called though. No. Oh, okay. So this is my new one. Oh, Okay. Oh, God, that's so exciting. Yeah. So, um, listener, we are seeing a manuscript. My goodness, that's amazing. Oh, so, wow. I'm intrigued by the title already. Yeah. So, I, and a lot of it might change and the title might even change. I wanted to keep it at that title, but we'll see. Yeah. So then I, then I write it and I will write it. I will have it all hooked up on multiple devices so I can write it on my phone, my laptop. Mm-hmm. At home, I've got a huge computer, mm-hmm. which I love. And I'm just, I have it and I've got it on a stack so I can stand up or sit down. Mm-hmm. And I will, I write, you know, I'm not a morning person. People are like, oh, do you bet you get up in the morning, don't you? And write really early. I'm like, no, you're joking. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm but hungover. I'm hungover. <laughs> <laughs> no one gets up early in our house. Not the seven-year-old, not the dog, <laughs> nobody. So I would more, I might go like a really good writing time for me. I know it sounds crazy. It's like from, say, 11 till like half 12, one. Okay. And I'll I'll crack through quite a few words. So, and then I will go. And then the biggest advice for people are, uh, number one, you have to write. Mm-hmm. The book ain't going to write itself. No. So no. there's no point saying, I want to write a book. I want to write a book. You need to fucking write some words down. Yeah. 
Um, number two is you need to really, it's, it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. So you think of running a marathon and then there's all that marathon training that goes mm-hmm. into that before you do it. You need to join a writing group mm-hmm. and you need to take yourself seriously mm-hmm. and, you know, and become a writer. Yeah. And then I would suggest, and um, there's a great book from Richard Skinner, who was my teacher, and he always loves it when I give him a plug, How to Write a Novel by Richard Skinner. Okay. Um, it's a great book, and it literally, I could have brought it today, actually, it, it just spells out how to write a novel, a fiction novel. Okay. Everything you need to consider. Yeah. And um, Richard has taught many published authors. He's he's fantastic, one of the UK's foremost mm-hmm. creative writing teachers. Mm-hmm. And writing is a bit like... Um, fixing a car engine and being Mm -hmm. a car mechanic there Mm -hmm. is some technical things that you Mm -hmm. need to put together depending on what kind of genre you write and i mean my so i write thrillers so i don't write my novels aren't literary Mm -hmm. but i like to think they're on the literary side of thriller Mm -hmm. so they're a bit more the writing's kind of a bit more important than you know yeah um they're really character driven. So mm-hmm. it's all about characters. Mm-hmm. And I have to be really careful because I could just go into a whole thing, especially with someone like Kay Christie. Mm-hmm. You know, there are pages of what, of Kay, you know, just basically drinking in bars <laughs> and stuff like that, you know. She had fun. <laughs> she had fun drinking and thinking and drinking and thinking, um, you know. Yeah. So character's really important. And, but the most important thing is, is the plot. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? in mm-hmm. this book mm-hmm. and some writer friends of mine that are really successful you know they might have a plot twist they might have they might start with like the twist like oh oh you know mm-hmm. that bit's gonna happen that really mm-hmm. spectacular yeah like gone girl yeah that's gonna happen and then they put the rest around that comes around it yeah absolutely i think it's really interesting what you said about um you have to be a writer. You have to, ex- and I think that's something that I've been thinking about recently around the podcast and the stuff that I'm doing. It's like I'm starting to call myself a voice artist because yes. actually, well, yeah, yeah, voice yeah. artist people. But it's like I'm doing the work, and it's like I think you have to take. There's a point where you have to go. This isn't just a, a a bit of fun. This is something that I want to do. It's an art. It's what I'm making, and I think that that's really important. Even if you haven't released a book, if you're serious about writing something or doing something, you need to put yourself in that mode of this is who I am, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. So was that quite an easy transition for you? Once No, and no. I'm still embarrassed now if I meet a writer that I think is a real writer or is amazing. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you know, I'm not. And I become really like a, pers- a shy yeah. person, which I'm not. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that confidence is, I think the one of the great things about living now in mm-hmm. this time, especially mm-hmm. in Brighton, is that you can do different things. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have two jobs mm-hmm. and you can be both. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You can be so... There's so many creatives here as well. It's yeah. inspiring. I mean, it's so inspiring. Yeah, you can be fully both. Yeah. You can fully do your job and be a PR mm-hmm. and you can fully be a writer. Mm. It's a little bit exhausting, but you can do yeah. it. <laughs> and be a mother and a partner. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. do the housework. It is, I don't do any housework, obviously. <laughs> But I think I think you're right though. I think it's it's one of those things where it would be easy to say I want to do this, but actually it's far too difficult. But if you if you do persevere and you put yourself in the shoes of that person and you you say right, I can do this, and I'm going to dedicate the time and do the words and make the art, whatever. I I do think it it does pay off it because the more 
the more you do, I think it's infectious. You get a bit of a drive and energy of, right, I've done, I don't know, 4,000 words. I'll do a couple more thousand next weekend. Or And it starts to it starts yeah. to build, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and I was thinking about, you know, young people, you know, when people um, express themselves through clothing or, you know, what they're wearing or whatever, we talked about nail varnish mm-hmm. and what that what that means and that mm-hmm. expression is for me my the way i express myself is through your books my books yeah so yeah. It, it's yeah it's a kind of real necessary um a real necessary and i went for someone that whenever i went on holiday i'd take i'd have new i mean you know all writers are obsessive about nice stationery mm-hmm. and pens you know someone asks stationery yeah i love stationery mm. If someone asks me, can I borrow a pen? I'm like, yeah, what kind of colour? Would you like a fountain <laughs> pen or a Swarovski crystal or, you know, what is it you'd like? But, you know, I went from that having all that stuff and then going on holiday, I'd have a notebook yeah. um, to write and it, it wasn't enough. And then I'd be giving my partner like, read this, read this. And she's literally like, she's, I mean, she's had 20 years of me just go, giving her a piece of paper and read. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, it's good health, you know, but mm-hmm. just, you know, do like, something with it. Do something with it or, you know, she's – so, um, yeah, you've got to – you've just got to do it and have the confidence. Yeah. And in publishing, there are a lot of men and women, mostly men in charge and women also, you know, very senior and they are – they are – well, you know, I can't make generalisations, but a lot of them been to Oxford and Cambridge. Mm-hmm. They're really well educated. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a whole sort mm-hmm. of – you know, which is great and, and good for them. And they, they really do know. They've done English degrees at Oxford. You know, mm. I'm I'm from Slough. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that opportunity no. to do that. But you've re- released two amazing books. Yeah. And they're published. Yeah. You know. That's, so, you, you know, know, just fucking do you it. You have to do it. I think, yeah, I was saying to my lovely friend Yurel today, we were talking about kind of art and, you know, making things happen. And I think we, I think it's that imposter syndrome, isn't it? We all think, oh, to be a voice artist or to be a, a writer or something we've got to go and do a degree or we've got to go and study there are so many opportunities now to just get involved and i mean this podcast you know it's just it was an idea that i kind of gave birth to and i was like right we'll make this happen we'll call the studio we'll call some guests we'll we'll start making making it happen and yes i could have gone to uni and did a three-year degree in media or something but actually would that have made this podcast any no. better i don't know so i think i think that's really nice advice just have a go and even if it doesn't get published and the likelihood is maybe your first book, if it's your first book, may not get published because actually you need to grow as a writer. Keep going. Keep, keep going. having that yeah. you know, inspiration to kind of keep doing it. Especially with writing, there's a lot of things. I mean, you do get these like uh, huge talents that are in their 20s and they, they publish their first book and mm-hmm. it's um, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's really, um, it's well written. It has a great publisher. Yeah. It's just, it, it's got a great story and plot but it's also got something else about, you know, which is what we're all writing about is the, um, you know, the human condition, the mm-hmm. fact that we're just all here. Mm-hmm. The true sadness of being alive is that we're we're all going to die, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. So and it's got something of that in it. And these are books that are, you know, wonderful. It's got those sort of different levels. And, and they're in their 20s. And I just, I, you know, I've had like quite a um, not difficult life, but, that you know, yeah, a bit of a difficult life. And I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have had enough life experience in my 20s, you know. No. As you get older, 
you become a better writer. You've just mm-hmm. experienced more. You've, mm-hmm. you know, you've you've experienced loss. You've had people die that are close to you, and you might a twenty year old might have had that too. Yeah, you know. But if um, I think you you can come to it at any age, mm-hmm. you can do it at any age. I mean, the other thing to say is that I know lots of people that went to do degrees in certain things. I did a media degree. Uh, lots of people worked in the media. They had full on careers. Um, they they were you know TV news correspondents. They were journalists. They were whatever, and they're like they're all burnt out now. Yeah, they're exhausted. all burnt out, and they're yeah. going they're twist they're going round. You know, someone's uh, you know someone will be oh yeah I'm a carpenter now. I build garden rooms. That's what I do. People change. You can mm-hmm. have different careers. You can do different things. And when you're in your twenties and thirties, you've got that energy to really you know push it. But yeah. You can you can do it you can do whatever you want whenever you want really. I think that's the beautiful thing about life though you can change like we I think we're all kind of taught that you have to ch- I mean you know you leave leave school at sixteen you're taught that you have to find a career what do you want to be when you grow up and it's like I, I have no clue I mean I I bought chef whites to go and do a <laughs> cooking degree at college and I was, I was there six weeks I ended up in insurance I now work in HR and now I'm making a podcast I mean this is the kind of stuff I always yeah. wanted to do but there was always something holding me back but we change all the time and i think that that's that's beautiful you know why stay the same isn't it wonderful that actually you know you had this second chance to be able to go right now i'm going to be a writer and i'm yeah. going to release two books how would you like to look 5 years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. Do you think as, as queer people, we kind of are on the back foot with being creative or kind of expressing ourselves from an early age? Because I kind of feel like sometimes, you know, if my circumstances would have been different, maybe I'll have had a bit more courage or um, strength to be able to really pursue what I wanted. Um, and I see, I know people in my life that aren't gay and maybe they didn't have the obstacles that I had. So do you, do you think that sometimes that can be a an inhibitor for early success and actually, <clears throat> you know, something we have to find later on? Yeah, and I think it is. And I think... Um, God, there's so many things to say there. There's, I think, number one, it makes me really sad when I hear like young people now, mm. especially like young trans people, or they can't leave their home, you know, if they mm. live to leave home, mm-hmm. they don't have any support, you know, they don't finish their education, they're, you know, all these problems, like, they need to be supported, like, mm-hmm. you need that. And my mum was a terrible homophobe, but mm-hmm. she really educated me, you know, that was the thing that she really, really pushed for. So, mm-hmm. Whether you whether you like them or not, or whether you know to get that background is really 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 important. important yeah. Sometimes I think, and this oh my god, this is going to sound like some sort of like um, queer power kind of thing. Are are queer people more creative than straight people? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are they? Um, well, Elton John, George Michael, Whitney Houston. We've got, we've got some beautiful people in our um, community, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, Dusty Springfield. Yeah. And who the who the fuck else don't we know about? You yeah. know, who were who were in the closet for their entire lives, mm-hmm. especially the women. Freddie. Freddie. So, um, you know, in music, mm-hmm. like there is there is something there. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously there's loads of straight um um, artists as well and then and lots of really ambiguous mm. kind of A Bowie and yeah in the middle or where yeah, are you know yeah. who sits where on that sort of McKinsey scale of gayness yeah. or whatever but um I think that um queer people once they realize have to be like more creative in their solutions to living a normal life mm-hmm. And so that fosters something and it fosters something about like how they have to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at Elton John and he's he was married to a woman. Mm-hmm. He's written all these beautiful love songs about women and mm-hmm. just, you know, he's and it's amazing that he's found happiness now yeah. with his family. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I do think that there's something about the way that we have to manoeuvre through life mm-hmm. that gives us like another Mm-hmm. Uh, sense mm-hmm. another skill so when you're heterosexual you do not have to think about it no you do not have to navigate it what's my strategy for living as a heterosexual mm. you know you don't you need just show it. up you just show up <laughs> yeah fucking get on with every, whatever else you're doing yeah um but when you're queer you have to really think about that and now mm. i mean even with the women's football mm-hmm. amazing so proud of our team it's just absolutely uh, mind blowing what they've done, mm. but you know, basically most of them are lesbians. Um, quite a couple, few couples in the national side, which is amazing. And you know, the the sons run a few. Who's with who? In uh, you know, they're really the the yeah. son and the male are trying to be really really cool about it, and they are being you know yeah. good. Yeah. Let's not slate them for that. Good on you. Yeah. Um, but I think that you know the the best player Lucy Bronze. She is she's gay and she lives with Kira Walsh, who's like the second best player, the midfielder who got player of the match in the final. 
they don't talk about it. They mm-hmm. don't say anything. You know, they've got the same dog. Mm-hmm. So you see a picture of her, you know, with the dog and then one of so they're they're managing it. Mm-hmm. They're managing it as mm-hmm. as the best, and she's the best female mm-hmm. player in the world mm-hmm. right now. So maybe it's getting better or easier for younger generations. I, I don't know. I I I think maybe I'm thinking about this from like kind of like the the time of the 80s and the 90s when I was growing up, when actually there was still, I mean, you know, there is still a long way to go with equal rights, but there was incredible homophobia when I was growing up and at yeah. school and you know the community where I lived and all that kind of stuff. So I think it it definitely puts you on the back foot and you become a lot more self-conscious and aware and you filter, like we talked earlier, you put a filter on. And I think that definitely, you know, again, I remember I always loved arts and drama, but I didn't want to be too camp. No, because that's so, for a man, that is like too gay to do. Yeah, but actually I would, I think I probably would have been really amazing at it. And that that sounds really big-headed, but actually I loved it so much. And actually- It's not too late. Well, you're doing- Doing That's something, something but what I did at school was rather than actually apply myself to it, I became like the idiot of the class it's because it was a way of deflecting and making sure that I didn't, you know, um, I don't know, I made people laugh. If I, if they laughed, they yeah, liked well, me. Yeah, well, humour's a great deflection, isn't it? It is. Cause Everyone likes you if you're funny and uh, I've done that as well. But then, but then when it actually came down to them being able to do drama and things like that, I couldn't do it because they were like, no, he's a pain in the arse. He's not being, he can't have that for the options at school. He needs to go. So I ended up doing PE, which was fucking horrendous oh, because I had all these boys kicking the football at me in the net and I couldn't play and it was cold. It was November. I had shorts on. My legs were blue and they're kicking the football at me, calling me a puff. And it's just like, it was horrendous. Oh, so honestly, that was, that, that was the reality. So it's like, you know, even at that age, I'm you're filtering yourself and they're not really going for what you want. So yeah. I hope that now, with people being so much more honest about who they are, people coming out a lot younger, that filter isn't needed as much and people can really go for their creativity. But I think maybe for our generation, it was a little bit more difficult because the stereotypes were so strong, you needed to really kind of blend. You Absolutely. Know, don't stick out, blend, make sure you're... I never really bloody blended, I didn't. But in my own way, I, I had to, you know? So I think yeah. it's, you know... If you can... Because you're, you're going to stand out. Mm. But as long as you don't stand out for being a big old gay, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, oh, that that similarly with me, it was like, oh, you know, there's something different about Helen. Oh, it's that she's funny or she's this or she's that. And it's yeah. like, no, she's a big old lezer in the heart of Slough. <laughs> um, but it's like... It shouldn't even come into the equation, should it? It's no, just, it's just ridiculous. But it comes into every every part of your and life. It's laugh. in your DNA. We laugh because it's almost like a kind of like a, you know, a, not in a defence. What am I saying? It's almost like a reaction, isn't it? Yeah. Or kind of. But it's, I don't know. It's it's just it shouldn't be something. And I think those things are inhibitors for people living really authentic, successful lives. So yeah. thank goodness we are now in a place where there is a community here and we're supported and we can support each other and you're doing amazing yeah. work and so am I and you get to live up. your full life, you know, it's so important. I think, I think that the, um, I think one thing I've seen with the younger generations mm. is that their parents are more supportive mm. because actually their parents are, you know, in their 50s, 60s yeah. Yeah. and they're not that generation, 70s, 80s. And you, oh God, I don't want to make generalisations no, at all because some people are so cool in that yeah, age group. Yeah, yeah. But now it isn't a big deal. So I see lots of friends of mine say who are having kids. And it's like, oh, my mum's looking after the kids or whatever. And it's like, oh, right. So they're really on board. They're really pro. They're mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. Because 
you know, we want what we're doing is when you talk about like, you know, Armistead Morpin's logical family, we mm-hmm. create we run away from home mm-hmm. to recreate the sort of support that we might not be getting yep. to build up that community. Mm-hmm. And um if you've actually got it, if your parents are really cool mm-hmm. and they support you, they mm-hmm. might not have all the answers and they might not understand everything, but it really makes a difference yeah. to your confidence. And your well being. Your well being the whole all thing. Of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. I think, um, yeah, the whole chosen family thing is something that definitely, you know, I, I love my family and, um, you know, but I think I think it is, it's really important to find your tribes and to find your people and to have your community around you. And um, that's something that I just didn't realise how much I was missing in my life until I actually got it. And I'm like, oh, wow, this makes such a difference. And it's not that I'm now, you know, pushing anyone else away. No. But it's... It's just important. It's yeah, but you- it's making you more confident. Yeah. It's operating at a really subconscious level. Yeah. You can't touch it or put your finger on it. It's just happening. happening. It's coming from within you. 12 months ago, I was so bored in my hometown. Like, this wasn't even happening. Like, 12 months later, it's amazing. It's like, amazing. Look what... Look what you've done. Actions can do. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it, but it's all of us, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a collective... For me, what it is, it's like a collective celebration of the community and it's like the encouragement and the, um, I don't know, just the, the good cheer and the kind of, yes, you can do this. Like, I love that. I just, I've never been somewhere before where everyone is just really willing to celebrate everyone's successes. That yeah. feels amazing. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's different, that. isn't it's it? infectious, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. It really is. So let's go on to personal life then. So you're married to Vicky. How long have you been together and um, where did you meet? So we met at um, Leeds University okay. and we were on the same course. And they, what, that media? Media. Said early, yeah. CCS. It was CCS and public media Okay. at Trinity and All Saints, which is parts of Leeds University. Okay. And we have a shout out to everybody because we're still in touch with everyone. The and alumni, yeah. The alumni. And we're having a reunion next year. Are you? Amazing. Yeah. How, long, how long has it been? I don't want to say because it's fucking too long. Go on, just say it. 30 years. Is it? That's no. awesome. Is no, it? is it? No, it can't be. Is it 30 years since you started? No, I don't think it, it must be 25. 25. Okay. Yeah. But that's awesome though, to like to like go back and celebrate all that you've done. I know. So wicked. And on in our year, the most famous person in your year was the Reverend Kate Botley. Okay. Do you know her? I don't. Oh my god, so she's basically like the Vicar of Dibley, like she's on Radio Two and stuff like that. Oh, no, I don't, don't no, worry. I don't know if I've heard of her. No, I'm sorry. I only know. I only know her obviously because we're like, is that Kate from rugby? rugby Kate from uni We're and friends. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so we um, yeah. So basically, um, Vicky had a boyfriend called Matt. Hi, Matt, and we saw him off. Yeah, so that was good. <laughs> and 25 years later, 25 years later, wow, yeah, that's amazing. And you have a daughter, Ruby. Ruby, she's seven. Which is amazing. It's just so lovely. Yeah, and she's I, lovely. When you were talking about her a few weeks ago, actually, when we met for coffee, I thought she was a lot younger than seven. Oh, really? Yeah, I kind of the way you were talking, I thought maybe she was like a toddler or something. No, so. no, she's seven. But I mean, she's just hilarious. And she, I mean, time's just, it goes so, it goes so fast. Quickly. Yeah. Absolutely. And people say this when you have a kid, they're like, oh, enjoy that bit because it goes so fast. Uh-huh. But it just goes in a shot. And they sort of, and she's at that bit now where. She's getting quite like, she knows what's going on. Mm. She's kind of, she's getting quite grown up. And at the same time, she's still quite yeah, yeah, yeah. childish. Yeah. You know, so 
Uh, she's just hilarious. She says to me stuff like, I am a child, you know. You, you know, I can't do that, blah, blah, blah. Because I'm like, come on, let's do this, or, you know. <laughs> Perfect excuse. So, Love yeah, she's, um, she's really funny. And I was saying they're all into Lady Gaga, all the seven-year-olds. I think that's what we you talked about when we, were having, when we were having coffee. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. she was drawing, and she's drawing, and she's going, Yeah, me, we had a failed romance. <laughs> While she was drawing, I'm just like hilarious. <laughs> so that's who they're into at the moment. That's amazing. I yeah. love that. I love that so much. And, you know, there will be a lot of people listening who are either queer parents or queer people thinking of becoming parents. So what was starting a family like for you both? Well, <clears throat> I mean, you know, we discussed before, like I like to, I will mentally plan something. And I think I went through my life as really career orientated. Mm. I never thought, I mean, I never thought when I was 16 um, that I would be married and have a child Mm -hmm. and have this life. I never thought it at all. I didn't know. I thought I'd be like Nina Simone, you know, or, you know, gazing out, listening to Nina Mm -hmm. Simone on my own, you know. Uh I don't know what I thought, but I just can't believe that I've got this life. It's fantastic. amazing. And obviously when Vicky and I met, we didn't have any, you know, people like, oh, so you were together for 15 years before you got married. We couldn't get married. We couldn't get civilly partnered when we met. So um, we couldn't do that. And Mm. we talked about it at the time. We Could we go here, you know, Googling where you could do that. So... We didn't do it. And then when it came in, I was a bit like, but then we we used our right, you know, once we had the right to do it. And that was 2004, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. yeah. So um, we, you know, we did it because we wanted to use our right to do that. And um, I'm trying to get Vicky to agree. We haven't, we're civilly partnered to convert it to a marriage, basically, because I really like a party. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So mainly for that. But You've done it or you're doing it? We're doing it. Oh, amazing. Well, Vicky doesn't know, but I've said it, I've mentioned it to her, but if I say it on here, it will be like official, yeah. Oh, yay. Um, Invite, please. Yeah, absolutely, (laughs) darling. (laughs) Um, So, um, yeah, so we, I always wanted, I think I always wanted to have a, a child and, you know, I had... Even though my my relationship with my own mother was really, really complicated. And mm. I think about things that she said, but we did get on, you know, we spent so much time. We were together all the time. I miss her every day. I can't believe, you know, that I don't get to see her now. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to, and you know, when people die as well, I had a very good friend die called Rachel. Um, uh, she died when she's only 42. She's wow. my best friend in London. And she sort of, she had this, you know, she called me to see her, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, good, good. Everything's when she got my hand. It's just now, now I want you to have a baby. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, laughing or whatever. Yeah. But she was just like, she just knew that I should do that. And That's that amazing. should be. So I basically, yeah. So we, so we did it and we went through and uh, we had um, help from the London Bridge Clinic in London. We still lived in London at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are a number of things you need to think through. Mm-hmm. You need to think this is obviously a long term. Mm-hmm. If you, you're going to need a donor, mm-hmm. is that someone you want popping round or coming on holiday with you or for Christmas? Or do you want to have an anonymous donor? There's no such thing as an anonymous donor. So your child will be able to Search contact for, them okay. in the, when they're grown up okay. and um, find out anything that they need to from a health perspective mm-hmm. um find out about their you know they might have other siblings you know you've got to go mm-hmm. into it mm-hmm. with your eyes open absolutely 
Um, but yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons we live in Brighton. There, um, it's just fantastic, and I'm the um, well, I'm the outgoing treasurer because I've been I've been the treasurer for five years. Okay, so now I'm the um, primary age children lead, or anyway, I've got some title <laughs> with the Rainbow families. Oh, amazing! Who are the uh, we're the like basically gay families in Brighton group, mm-hmm. and we've got like more than 2,000 families, mm-hmm. so there are literally mm-hmm. loads of us. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely brilliant, and I'll just say a big shout-out to the old Rainbow, Rainbow absolutely. families. Is this the who Allens, you went camping with a few weeks ago? This who we went camping with. Yeah. The Allens, Kate, Natalie Guzzi, Kerry. I, I don't want to leave anyone out, but, you know. Amazing. But that's how lovely to have, again, it's another side of the community, isn't it? It's another part of the community in your own life that you're a part of. Yeah. And that's... That's amazing. Yeah. I think it's really important with these topics to keep the conversation going. I think that, you know, um, especially, you know, in Brighton, I've seen a lot more queer parents than I did from my hometown, understandably. Understand- yeah, absolutely. I think, I think this is obviously going to be a place where you're, you're, you're going to have that. I mean, are there, is there anything in particular you would share about your experience as being a queer parent with other parents? I mean, was there anything that you, I don't know, had to think about in terms of, I don't know, obviously having a child is is a gift. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But was there any point when you thought, okay, how would this work? And what would this be like for, for my daughter? Or, you know, yeah, was absolutely. there ever a factor in your mind? <clears throat> Not that you should have to think that way. No. But I guess we know that society can be difficult. And we know that people have judgments and opinions and people can be arseholes. So yeah. was there any point when you thought, okay, we have to be careful of this or we have to think about that or... Well, especially our generation, Mm -hmm. we're thinking about, she's going to be bullied at school. She's going to be bullied at school for having two mums. And in Brighton, that isn't the case. And I think that's why we're so lucky to live here. Mm -hmm. Um, Nearly, I would say almost every school in Brighton is totally inclusive. Same-sex parents. Same-sex parents. There's like maybe one Christian evangelical school. Mm -hmm. Um, I won't name it, but, you know, Mm -hmm. there is one that Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend going to. But Mm -hmm. apart from that, everywhere is fine. And, I mean, even, you know, straight people, they they don't care. No. You know, I'm speaking to someone who's got 20-year-old kids and he's like, oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Nothing better, must be nothing better than having two mums. How lovely for your little Mm. girl. He went, oh, yeah, my son's got two dads. My my son's best friend's got two dads. Right. You know, and they're a, they're a generation before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here in Brighton, I think it's very unlikely for a child not to have a friend or someone in their class that's mm-hmm. got same-sex parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what would I say to people? Just come to Brighton and have your kids here and, and join yeah. the Rainbow Families. But you know what? I think, and I ha- thank you for sharing that, and I hope you don't mind me asking. I think, I think for me, you know, these topics are really important. And I think that, you know, we are we are being listened to across the globe as well in this podcast. And I think there will be other countries where, you know, this is quite out of the ordinary and actually this Absolutely. isn't as common. But I think it's really important that we keep the conversation going because this is the reality of life. You know, just because you're queer doesn't mean that you don't want to be a parent or no. you don't want to raise a family or that, you know, your your child's life is going to be absolutely amazing. I mean, it's just, you know, we, we need to keep educating and keep that conversation going. And I think that's really just quite important. So yeah, thank you absolutely. for sharing that. Yeah, and, and boringly, I looked up the data, you know, I looked up the data how that had been done on children with same-sex parents and uh-huh. they overachieve. Mm-hmm. I think one thing is like, really clear about gay parents is that any of their children um they only exist because their parents really really wanted, wanted them. them yeah absolutely so they are they're from love aren't they it's they're from, from love from yeah the foundation of love absolutely That's beautiful yeah so 
yeah there's that and so and and then the data backs that up there's nothing mm. there's nothing uh, they they overachieve in kind of every you know all their grades and well-being mm-hmm. and so we have a smart cookie on our hands with ruby i hope so yeah i mean we're trying to really get her into sport we're trying to hot house her in like tennis and sport oh nice but she's very very chilled out she's Is like she? yeah she's like mummy um I'm not. Some of my friends talk about money and they want to be rich and they're into money. Money, and I was like, "Oh right, okay." And she said, "I, I'm not into money." <laughs> Seven. I love it. I was like, "Okay, great." And I was like, "What? What? What are you? What are you into? What are your values?" Yeah. She's like, "Friendship." Uh, <laughs> I, um, love that. I was oh my like, "God, she's amazing." Yeah, I was like, "It's so lovely," but in the back of my mind, I was thinking, "Shit, I'm going to be working like two jobs when I'm 80 yeah, yeah, to yeah. pay for all of this." Like, I'm into friendship. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. we'll see what happens. Okay, bring half a coffee next time. I will. She yeah, she's like hilarious. Hoot. She sounds yeah. amazing. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you for sharing that. I really yeah, love that. My pleasure. Um, one of the things I always talk about on the podcast is allyship. And I think that, you know, we've covered this a little bit with with talking about, you know, the trans community and kind of the queer community and how we all need to stick together. I think allyship is incredibly important. So what does being an ally mean to you? And what advice would you give to someone else of how they could be a good ally to our community, inside or outside of the community? <clears throat> I mean, I've had some friends that really, you know, stood out where I've got, I've got, I've gone to come out to them and they're like, Oh, I'm so delighted where they're actually sort of proactively happy mm. um, for me. And I'm just like, I can't believe I got that reaction because you're mm. usually so measured about, mm-hmm. um, t- you know, saying anything or so it's, I think, I, I think in the community at the moment with kind of what's going on with, you know, because I one of your previous guests had said when you talked about being queer and she'd sort of one of them said, you know, I don't I don't want to be called a lesbian because mm-hmm. it's really turfy. Mm-hmm. And I just it made me feel really sad because I was like, well, that's I don't want people to think that about mm-hmm. lesbians. Like mm-hmm. we've had so much shit to deal with mm-hmm. for so many fucking years. Mm-hmm from men and from, you know, we're really bottom of the pile when it comes to get shit getting dumped on us. And that's not the case, you know. You come to Rainbow Families and we've got um, we've got trans parents and most, well, everyone that's involved, no one thinks like that about mm-hmm. trans people. Mm-hmm. So I really want to see kind of more inclusivity. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see you do a debate with, you know, a couple of different viewpoints and maybe champion that. Yeah. which would be like explosive but i think that that's what needs to come yeah. next we these people these different viewpoints need to come around a table and mm-hmm. we need to now move this on mm-hmm. to finding a solution mm-hmm. and not just like a bitchy twittery sort of yeah we come, need to come we need to go for we need to come together now yeah and i think i interviewed someone last week actually and um like these podcasts aren't going out in the order that I'm interviewing for this season. So, um, you know, it was is another episode yeah. as far as that goes. But one of the things that they talked about was the fact that, you know, trans people's issues or what they're facing are their issues as, as a gay person. They were like, you know, if someone else is hurting, I'm hurting. It's, it doesn't just affect one person, it affects everyone. And I think that was a really, there was a really beautiful sentiment in that because it was like, you know, we we can't all we can't just kind of be complacent or complicit in in situations where someone is having a really, really tough time. We've all got to kind of get around the table and go, okay, what can we do collectively to sort this out and to really give people what they need and ultimately equality? 
and um i think the way he kind of talked about that was was really quite lovely and yeah. um and i completely agree with him as well i think you know yes you know and alfie ordinary said on season one gay people are having a lovely time now but look at all the people who are non-binary or transgender and you know they're really going through it and it's like we've got to kind of stand up for our trans siblings and and be there for them yeah we need to what about people outside of the community what advice would you give to anyone who is not in the queer community in terms of being an ally and what what they can do to i don't know educate themselves or just just stand up and be counted for our community yeah oh god i mean it's so interesting because i don't i don't think about i i don't think about that now i don't think about them god because i live in brighton and i live in this bubble yeah 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 um but it's but in some places it's we're we're so lucky, aren't we? We are so lucky. But in some places, we are so it's lucky. horrendous. You know? Yeah, if you if you are um, if you um, if you're heterosexual, if you're straight, and someone um, comes out to you wherever you are in the world, I think you've just got to support them. Mm-hmm. You've got to make them feel mm-hmm. uh, supported and not judged. Absolutely. When we went to visit a um, um, when we went to visit, uh, there was a school, there's, there's one school here that's very evangelical and, um, I visited that and they use this phrase like, you know, we are Christians and we tolerate all people. And it just made oh, me want to like, oh, yes. Tolerate. Oh no. Yeah. No. And it just made me want to like kill them, ba- kill somebody basically. Mm, yeah. Mm. So, so don't tolerate. No. Think in your mind and educate yourself mm. and be positive mm-hmm. what what's hurting you what's mm-hmm. what's stopping you you know mm. no I, one means you any harm it's nothing to do with you people just want to live their lives live their lives i think there is a, a a genuine genuine thing around with any any situation of diversity where if it doesn't affect someone directly in their life they don't really think about it so it might be a few years ago we had you know massive the black lives matter movement you know that has been going on for years and years, years and years yeah. but obviously George Floyd was killed and there was a massive movement in the states and in, in the UK and how many people in that situation probably watched the news and really didn't think about it because actually they were cis white privilege or they didn't need to think about it or it never affected them they've never had to deal with racism or you know of that kind and it's the same for for queer people or people with you know disabilities you know who are having a really tough time in terms of mobility or living arrangements or whatever if it doesn't affect you you don't think about it. No. But actually, I think we all have a responsibility to realise actually how diverse the world is. Absolutely. And just to be able to say, okay, this may not directly affect me. You know, I'm, I may not be trans. I'm non-binary. I definitely don't feel like a man, but I'm part of the community. But actually, whilst I haven't transitioned, I have a responsibility to understand what it could be like for a person living that life. Yeah. Waking up every day, facing the challenges they're facing just to be who they are and live their lives. I think we all have a responsibility to to kind of do that. Um absolutely soapbox moment. But it's just soapbox, no, you what you say is absolutely right. It's just you absolutely know, it's just right. It's equality. It's just it's human rights, isn't yeah. it? It's just be be kind to people and just give people the yeah. the airspace just to live their lives, you know? <clears throat> well I'm really mindful with the characters in my books, like have I got any black characters in there? Have I got a trans character in there? Not to tick a box. No. To just to be realistic and be diverse and mm-hmm. to put them in there and mm-hmm. think about people that might be really and are they positive representations mm-hmm. and are they you know are they is there anyone that can relate to it and I mean New Brighton's had a couple of people like really mega relate to it and mm-hmm. someone's changed their name and uh yeah I mean mm-hmm. just like an amazing response yeah um to this and I'm always mindful of that and 
And one thing I would say is if as a book to read, if you want to better understand in like a really easy to listen, we'll listen to it on Audible, mm-hmm. is Roxane Gay, uh, Bad Feminist. Okay. It's an outstanding book. Okay. And she talks about a lot of these issues, mm-hmm. how to be a good ally. Mm-hmm. She talks about racism. She talks about um, uh, sexual violence against women. I'm like, you know, it's make, it's sounding probably like a bit of too much, but actually the way she writes it mm. is fun. It's really engaging mm-hmm. and it is easy to listen to. And mm-hmm. she talks about a lot of these issues. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to do something and didn't know where to start, you could just listen to that yeah. on Audible. But I think even if it sounds heavy, actually we all have a duty to learn, educate, be there for people. You yeah. never quite know when something's going to come knocking at your door and you're going to need to have the information to really support someone because yeah. that could happen to anyone. It's like people that say, oh, I don't really have mental health problems. I'm like, yeah, you wait till you do though because actually when it comes knocking at your door, it's going to be a fucking killer. Seriously, you, you have yeah. got to wake up and realise that actually whilst things may not directly affect you, you have a responsibility just to put yourself in someone else's shoes and just be kind and yeah be absolutely supportive. be kind be supportive yeah absolutely wow that was a proper soapbox moment i think it's for the beer <laughs> <laughs> me too wonderful i'm gonna end the podcast with a quick fire round okay a little bit of <clears throat> i love that you've got a notepad and pen as well i need to write something down i'm not sure what you're gonna take note are you, are you, i've made no notes are you, minute, are you minuting down. the meeting <laughs> <laughs> okay queer icon um ellen Oh, Ellen, yeah. Ellen. What do you think about the controversy with her show? Do you believe it or do you... I, well, no one gets to be that successful without being a bit of a bitch. But um, I just think like, oh, fuck off, leave her alone. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Okay, okay. Well, there you are. Yeah. Yeah. Quit- She's been groundbreaking. She's just been groundbreaking. Yeah. We can't... We need to look into the context of when she came out and obviously Anne Hesh has uh-huh. passed away recently mm-hmm. and... You know, much was said then of the the relationship and it ruined Nan Hesh's career, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ellen was gay, a gay woman before anyone came, no one came out. There was her and Martina Navratilova mm-hmm. and maybe Billie Jean King. Mm-hmm. That was it. There were no others. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, um, and again, this is interesting, and to be honest, I'm, I haven't read too much on the subject matter, so it's very difficult to have an, a, an opinion. I obviously just know some of the background stuff, but... Obviously, within large corporations, whether it's a TV show or a big financial company, or whatever, there are there are behavioural issues. There are sexual misconduct. There's bullying. There's that happens in big organisations. Yeah. It's human beings we're talking about here. But do you think that in some way there's been more put on Ellen because of her sexuality? Do you well, think that could have been a factor in terms of why everyone's been so hot to to bring her down? Bring her down almost. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely think so. Mm. I mean. What do we think happens when these people, they're at the pinnacle of their mm, career. Mm-hmm. Anyone who works on that show, it's a hotly pressured environment mm-hmm. day to day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there was bullying. I'm sure there were things that happened. Mm-hmm. How can she be, you know, you know what it's like doing a podcast. You've got to focus on mm-hmm. what you're doing. How do you know Urell's not been nasty to you someone, know, else. someone else? She's not in control of everything, is she? <laughs> no. But I wonder if there was something around, you know, she's had this. It's almost like when she came out, it was like... Um, so I'm like I'm making this not a quick fire round, am I? Because no. we're getting to a discussion. <laughs> Sorry, but it was like you know, oh, Ellen's come out, her career is over. Then she became this amazing TV presenter, yeah. 25 sh- uh, series seasons of the yeah. show or whatever. Is it almost like the media going? Mm, she's been a bit too successful. Let's just see if we can bring her down a peg or two. I think that the show date- dated a bit. So basically, yeah. it was brilliant when it started. Yeah. 
I, bit samey. A bit samey. I remember buying like some channel to what so that I could watch it and it was uh-huh. on at a weird time. And then it got it and I lost interest uh-huh. because I'm like, okay, there's all these people from Oklahoma who are gonna win a car and you know, yeah. it's kind of like very Americanized uh-huh. and and I lost interest. Mm-hmm. So I think, how do you come off air? I mean, how does it stop? Where's the end game for this? Mm-hmm. And maybe she was kind of like put over. I mean, I don't doubt that she'd have been nasty to people at, from time to time or whatever. I mean, she's mm-hmm. extremely successful. But I, I don't know. I wonder, yeah, I agree that there's probably more to it for sure. More to it. Could there have been more of a, yeah. again, because like, I mean, I, I love Oprah. I think Oprah's amazing. I love Oprah. I love watching Oprah. I watch I love reruns it. on YouTube. I love it. Again, a big organisation though. Could there have been misconduct in that organisation? You know, and, and actually did it have the same kind of airtime? I, mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know enough about the whole situation, but I think it's an interesting, you know, point of view in terms of what we've been talking about, about, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, don't forget I am a, a PR as well. So uh-huh. I do like crisis PR. Mm-hmm. I try sometimes to keep things out of the media and, mm-hmm. You know, what we read in the media is often carefully selected, mm-hmm. um, handcrafted mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, read a newspaper, read between the lines. Mm-hmm. What is actually going on here and mm-hmm. why are you being told? Mm-hmm. And what agenda is it? Yeah. Is it helping or fulfilling? Yeah. I just wonder about Ellen, about that show. Had it reached its, you know, she's presenting, there's a whole new generation coming through. Mm-hmm. She's kind of, she's getting on a bit. We've had Portia, you know, it's, yeah, I, I think it was her time. I think, I don't time know. I wonder if someone on. basically yeah. put the knife in to yeah. get rid of her. Yeah. And if that's the case, that's really sad, isn't it? Yeah. I, You know, it's a bit like, what did she do? Like, she was bullying and she was not, I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but it wasn't a case of like, it wasn't a Kevin Spacey. She didn't like touch anybody inappropriately Mm. she wasn't like sexually or violent you know she was what bit bitchy bullying her and i don't know if i I can't i don't mean as i said i've not read too much into it but i don't even know if it was just the culture or whether it was her directly whether the organizational culture was like that as well but again if that's the case she she can't control everything i know and it's it's Mm. and other people do bad shit really Mm. fucking bad Mm -hmm, shit mm -hmm. and just walk straight through it yeah so well let's yeah. hope for the best there let's and let's hope, hope for the that best ellen's living a nice retirement yeah exactly absolutely with portia yeah and the nice big and i think she bought her like a animal sanctuary or something oh yeah God, their money my goodness yeah. they must be so wealthy anyway queer anthem uh well um i think yeah i mean diana ross i'm coming out i think has to be Classic. we all love that one Little Diana. okay so let me think of others i mean i have loads of Let's go with that one for now. And if, if, if one comes back to me, I'll pop it in at the end. Okay. A book you wish you had written. Oh, God, this fucking don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, there are so many books. Well, the thing is about writing books, mm-hmm. you can't write them. Like someone can find my whole plan of my book, mm-hmm. but because they haven't, they're not inside my head and they're not, they haven't lived my life. Yeah. They won't write it in the same way. So uh-huh. no, only that person can write that book, you yes, know? Yes, yeah, of course. But um, I've read some fantastic books um, this year. So uh, one is Ruth Azeki, A Time for Time Being. Okay. I think that's right, Time for Time Being, yeah, which is amazing. I'd have loved to have written that. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other, my other standout, which was I think it's a couple of years ago, was uh, 
Lucy Bloom, Amy Bloom, sorry, um, White Houses. Okay. Which is the story, it's like a historical story of Eleanor Roosevelt because she was a lesbian and she had this very butch Uh newspaper reporter girlfriend. Okay. And we kind of go back to that period in the White House. Amazing. And see it from their perspective. It's like totally fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I love all of that sort of lesbians in sort of, you know, Victorian Mm -hmm. dress and... Did you watch Gentleman Jack? Yeah, I love Gentleman Jack. I haven't Jack. seen it. Oh, is it is we it love good? it, yeah. Okay. Love it. There was like a lesbian flash mob outside uh, Gentleman Jack's house in uh, Yorkshire last week because it's going to be dropped oh. from the third series. But I think they're going to put it back on because of the flash mob. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that whole thing. I love Gentleman Jack. I yeah. love Saran Jones. Yeah, yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. She's so incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, three items. You. I don't know if I knew your book. I'm sorry, I don't think we answered that. <laughs> So, uh, was, oh no, that was Amy Bloom White House. Yes, Let's okay, say that uh, one. yeah, okay, great. We'll go with that one. Three items you wish, oh, three items you'd like to take to a desert island. Um, it can't be your family. It can't be my family. Okay, so I would have to take. Uh, I'd have to take right. My three items that I really love is I've got a really nice Bang and Olufsen speaker. Mm-hmm. So I take that for my yeah. tunes. Yeah, nice. Um, I would have to take like shitloads of notebooks uh-huh, to and write. a pen and a pen. Nice. That's that sounds like a really nice like few a good weeks. Holiday. It does, doesn't it? You just need a case of beers, and you'll be a well away. Yeah, and yeah, just someone to hand you a beer every now and then. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, last day on earth. What are you having for dinner? Oh God! Right. So, I um, I love food. You love food. I love. Food. I love food. I love food too. I love food, but um, I really, I guess my favourite favourite. I like to go to like a sort of along the. There's several places I like on the front, mm-hmm. like uh, Ridland Fins, and I also oh, yeah nice there. salt rooms, mm-hmm. and I would go for a nice sort of like starter of um, oysters mm, with nice. like white wine, yeah. really nice white wine, yeah. and then um, and then on to they do like a nice sort of fish, and they do like these chips with like chorizo in them mm. and shit like that. <laughs> I, I'd be going down that and quite a lot to drink. Yeah, a few bottles of wine. A few bottles of wine, maybe a bit of champagne. Yeah, champagne. Yeah. At the start, champagne. And then a few nice, bottles of wine, maybe some sort of like Spanish nice brandy or at the end. Oh, brandy, nice. You know, like oh. at the end. Dessert? Yeah. Would you have a dessert? Um, I, I would. I do like a dessert. But yeah, Vicky's like really good. She just doesn't, she doesn't like dessert. So if I get a dessert, she always goes, let me share, let me share. And then like tucks into it. So. Oh, that's really annoying. Yeah. Sorry, Vicky, but no, get yeah. your own dessert. That's yeah, like. Yeah, get your own. Yeah. We've been having a lot of magnums lately. Oh, I love it. I had a white magnum, actually. When oh. I had COVID a few weeks ago, I lost my sense of smell again. Yeah. And I had a white magnum and it was like amazing. It was so crunchy on the outside mm. and creamy and mm-hmm. like... Those vanilla pods are amazing in oh, it as well. I'm not yeah. you probably taste them, but they're... No, or could you taste them? I could kind of sense them. Yeah. <laughs> I could sense that they were there. <laughs> this is so good. Yeah, we had a salted caramel one last night and it oh. was delicious. Mm. I love Riddle and Fins. They are... It's really lovely there. Yeah, it's really amazing, nice. isn't it? Yeah. And is it Mama? Oh, oh, Murmur. 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 Yeah, on the beach. That's Yeah, beautiful. that's fantastic as well. Last year before we moved here, we went there for dinner and we had this really lovely... Oh, did we get there for dinner? Or did we get, yeah, we did. We went there for dinner and then we sat there and we had just wine and we were just outside overlooking the beach and it got to about 10 o'clock at night. And then this guy turns up with DJ decks and then like a hundred people descended onto that square yeah, and, and they just a, had a party. a party. And I was just like, like this fight. is amazing. We're moving here next year. <laughs> <laughs> this has to happen. It was so, yeah. so good. But the food there was delicious. Yeah, well, Murmur's so. really, really mm. good. We're spoilt. We're also spoilt for food here. We are. We are. We're very lucky. We're very lucky. Um, 
if someone was to buy you a drink, what would it be? I think we've just established that. We've just, I think we know shitloads of wine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That my favorite, my favorite cocktail. Just so people know, is margarita. Oh, okay. Theo loves a margarita. I'm just, I'm not a fan. Classic margarita with a salty rim. Oh, <laughs> salty rim. How lovely. I like a Long Island iced tea. Do you? Mm. They get you wasted. They're wankered. Seriously. Yeah. There's so many shots of them. You're just like, you have one and you're like slurring. It's honestly, we had a, I had my birthday a few weeks ago. We went to the Ivy for dinner. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. We went to the Ivy for dinner and um, they did a lovely Long, Long Island iced tea there. It was delicious. And I've not been to the Ivy before in, in Brighton. Yeah, it's fantastic, it isn't it? Have you been to the Ivy Asia? No, but I want to go there. Have you seen we'll the, go together. We'll go together. Have you seen the inside of it? No. Well, it looks just fantastic. I haven't been in, but it looks amazing. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I don't know if this is quotable, but I heard it cost 39 million to renovate. What? The tiles apparently were like each tile was like a fortune. The, they are beautiful. Oh my god! Google it and have a look. All and right. if that was the wrong price, Ivy, and your shareholders yeah, are exactly. up, upset, please yeah. don't see me. But yeah, but the, I've seen I've seen pictures of it inside. I've got it on. I'm following them on yeah. um, Instagram because it looks brilliant. Incredible. And I really all right. Well, we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll do go. it. We'll do it. Let's let's do it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'd be great. Um, and uh, best and worst quality in someone else. Uh oh, god. <laughs> It's like a really easy question for me. I'm like, really? Well, well, I think my worst quality in me is that sometimes I'm not like, because I'm quite like, go, go, go. When someone's a bit like, shall I do that? Shall I do that? I'm like, fucking, I don't care. Just do whatever you want, you know. I think you've done it already. (laughs) (laughs) So I am, so in other people, my, you know, my work, one of my worst qualities for me is just like indecisiveness. Mm, And asking fishing asking questions for reaffirmation uh-huh and lots of people need that don't they uh-huh. like is insecurity. this okay yeah am yeah. i doing this okay yeah don't come to me because i'm not the right yeah. person for that <laughs> just give them a look <laughs> no it's no, not okay it's not okay shit. that you've even asked that question get out of my office <laughs> <laughs> but that's i do realize that there's something wrong with me uh to be like that but yeah that's no i think no but we all have our things don't we and everyone you know People are patient. People listen. Some people don't listen. You know, I'm not always a good listener. Sometimes, and which is probably really awful because I'm making a podcast. <laughs> but some, <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes I'm just not there. I can't be in the room, and then sometimes I have to really focus. And I'm like, right, um, about you know, four beers in, we did all right yeah, today. Yeah, we've, we? we've, right we've done all right today. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Helen, thank you so no, much thank you. for being I've on really this podcast. Enjoyed it. It's been amazing, and um, as I said, I absolutely loved the book. So, congratulations on both of them. Thank you so in much. In the wake and New Brighton. If anyone needs a good book for the autumn winter, they should go out and buy them because they are just incredible. Um, so, thank you so so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I love being here with you both. Both our secret guest our in the we've had a we've had a, a, a little person watching today, haven't we? It's been lovely. He's trying not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been wonderful. Thank you it's so much. I really thank appreciate you so much, it. my darling. It's been great. Wow, what an incredible episode. It was an absolute pleasure to speak with Helen, and I find her such an inspiring person. Not only is she a really successful businesswoman, but she is a published author with two incredible books, which I cannot recommend enough. They were just a joy to read and I really love her work. You can find out more about the books and Helen's work on her social media pages. You can follow her on Instagram and on Facebook. Thank you so much, Helen, for that conversation. It was absolutely wonderful. Thank you all for listening to Queer I Am, the podcast. Until next time. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter 
My handle is at Actually. You can also check out my website, fluiactually.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.